Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. I'm excited this morning. Good, so some other people in the room that are. If you're joining us today for the first time, then we want to extend a massive welcome to you today. Whether you're listening here in the room, whether you're watching online, or whether you are over in Bury St. Edmunds, you are so welcome. Come on, let's give a little clap for everyone. Right now, we're in our penultimate message of a series looking at the Holy Spirit. Everyone know what it's called? Supernatural. Over the last few weeks, we've covered a lot of ground on this. We've looked at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, hearing the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, gifts, baptism, many more things. We've looked at loads of different things. Who here has enjoyed this series so far? Over in Barrie, have you enjoyed this series so far? Yeah, I think I can hear them. Well, this week, we're looking at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit only appears in one place in the Bible. And today we're going to be opening the Bible in Galatians chapter 5. I've decided today to look at it through the Passion Translation and we're going to read through it. It's a little bit flowery, um, but it does eventually get to the point. So here we go. Let's have a Reading of scripture this morning. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favoured, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties and all other similar behaviour. Quite strong. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for those things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the Anointed One, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. 
We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. So we may never be arrogant or look down on another, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. This week, myself and my wife and my son have had quite a turbulent one. A whole family, in fact. On Wednesday this week, I got a phone call. Katie was here at the C3 Centre, just about to head home. Caleb had been a little warm earlier in the morning when I got dressed. I noticed that his back was a little bit warm. And throughout the day, he developed a temperature. Well, just as Katie was getting him ready to, to leave from here, he started to fit, to have a seizure, and he started foaming at the mouth. Scary. Thankfully, Katie was here at the C3 Centre, surrounded by people. Within moments, someone had grabbed Katie's phone. They dialed 999. Someone else had run and grabbed my sister. My mum was upstairs in the offices, and she was downstairs within a few seconds here. Katie, within seconds, and Caleb were surrounded by family. The ambulance crew suggested a call around the building to see if there was a doctor in the building. So within a couple more minutes, the entire of C3 staff was downstairs, gathering around Caleb and Katie because there was so much support here. I was at home with no car, no immediate way to get here or to the hospital, so I called up my dad and he came straight round and took me over here to the C3 centre because we caught up with the ambulance. Well, when we arrived, Caleb was in a bit of a sorry state. Me and dad walked into here to Coldham's Coffee and we decided to ask a silly question. I'd had a phone call that said, your mum's gone with Caleb to the hospital. Where's Katie then? Was she not? Caleb's mum's not in the ambulance then. No, she was in the ambulance too. So we went round, knocked on the door, walked in. There he was, sat there, looking unhappy as anything. Well, long story short, the ambulance took us to Addenbrooke's and we were left there in A&E for a while. And they found actually there was no major complications. It was something called, here we go, a febrile convulsion, which is triggered by a high temperature. It's scary, it looks horrible, but there's no long-lasting side effects, and it can be quite common in children under the age of six. After waiting a few hours with various checks made and the thought that we'd have to stay overnight, Caleb picked up. All of a sudden, the doctors came back and were quite surprised. He was happy to take chocolate from Nana and eat it, and all was, all was good. We were able to take him home, and he's kind of been okay throughout the rest of the week. He's with Grandma this morning because he's still not quite well. And what's all this to say? Is this to win you over and to get you on my side? Maybe. But what I realized that this situation came about in this week where I'm trying to prepare for the message on the fruit of the Spirit, that this was actually a test of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Because we could have faced this situation with fear, with anger, with wrong motivations, but instead, I believe the Holy Spirit that re resides within us helped us through that situation. We ended up sitting there in A&E, Caleb looking sorry for himself, with mum, dad, Katie, me, all sat there laughing, joking, having joy, with concern, but with like a confidence in the God that we serve. 
that Caleb was going to be fine. The staff must have thought we were a little bit odd, sitting there quite calm, quite relaxed, but still concerned because we believe in God. And that's not to boast in ourselves, that's to boast in the Holy Spirit that resides within us. Now, to understand what I'm talking about today, we need to look at that statement that I just made. It relies on understanding a biblical truth. The Holy Spirit resides within us. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the best place to start. The fruit of the Spirit is not something that we can achieve, strive for, or do within our own strength. Yes, we might be able to display some of the characteristics, but the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is from God dwelling in us. You see it here when we look at Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit produced by the Holy Spirit within you. The fruit is not something we achieve, but it's something that is produced by God, the Holy Spirit being within us. Yet, at the same time, although it's not a tick box or it's not a rung on a ladder, it's a progressive part of our lives. We can grow and we can develop in it as we can many other things within the Christian journey and Christian experience. And it's something that we need to actively decide to do. There would be no point in me preaching about it today if it was just a done deal. We can grow in this. But in order to be able to live by the Spirit, to be able to walk by the Spirit, then we need to actually understand what that means. Jesus explains it like this. To develop the fruit of the Spirit is to live by the Spirit, to live in obedience to Jesus' teaching, his words. This opens up a whole raft of avenues now. I could talk all about different things that Jesus said, and we could talk about the life of Jesus, but I want to stick to Galatians today, and I want us to look on the context of Galatians. It's an interesting letter. The writer is Paul, and he was writing to a specific group of people, not just a single church, but a collection of churches that he established. They had begun to drift away from the teaching that he had established. They had begun to believe different things that he had told was the truth. And this letter is tough talk, it's straight talk, and it's bringing correction. But it's not without love, it's not without kindness and compassion. You couldn't really have a whole scripture passage about the fruit of the Spirit which flows out of love without that evident within it. And we could delve into this letter and we could look at the language. For example, he calls the Galatians fools. Um, he says, you're foolish Galatians. But I'd like us to focus on this difference that comes up majorly in this passage, which is the difference between law and grace and what that means for us in 2020. See, there has become a leaning towards the Jewish teaching versus the New Testament gospel, the law versus grace. Paul's teaching shows us that the Old Testament law serves to show us how sinful we are, how wrong we are, not for us to dwell in our sinful nature, but to revel in our victory 
through Christ, his sacrifice on that cross. As I've been studying this week, as I've been looking through and developing my thoughts around this topic, I've been struck by how we as humans can quickly get away from established teaching, from gospel, and we can kind of create our own self-enlightened gospel, our own version of the gospel. For me, this has a real interesting parallel with where we are in culture and society now. We so easily can get away from the established principles of the word and of what Jesus has come down to do in our time. We're in a time like no other. Culture is fixed on the self. Culture is fixed on the self. Now, I could probably, I probably couldn't to be honest, tell you the amount of times that I've heard a message that's been about culture and has used the example of the iPod, the iCloud, the i this, the i that. I know. There has been an abandoning of truth. In many ways, I think people have started to have their own Bibles. And what do I mean by this? Everyone interprets the Bible in their own way. Yes, they will. Everyone will have a slightly different view on it. But there are some rules. There are rules for good reason. Things shouldn't be looked at in isolation. Things shouldn't be open to free interpretation. But there are some principles and rules that we need to follow when we study Scripture. But we've got to a point in culture where truth is so subjective that your truth is your truth. Has anyone ever heard that saying, my truth is my truth, or I just need to find my own truth? On the face of it, there's nothing wrong with that. It's quite a nice sentiment, you need to find your own truth. Only the problem with it is, your own truth isn't actually your own. There's an anthology of history that you're a part of, that you are a part of, that is the truth. And this is kind of what I'm getting at. People are creating their own stories, their own view of Scripture, their own way of interpreting the Bible that is not always correct. We're living in a new morality. What was once immoral is now moral. And what was once moral is now immoral, and it changes based on everyone's opinion. I'm going to say it again. What was once immoral is now moral, and what was once moral is now immoral, and it changes based on opinion. Morality is not defined by opinion. It is determined by the Bible, by God. In fact, you could say that morality looks a lot more like living out of an overflow of the fruit of the Spirit in your lives than it does moral living. This is not just outside the church, it's prevalent within the church. It's prevalent in our thinking and it's something that we need to guard against it. I think of times myself when I've thought as an individual and then have to correct myself just because that's the culture that I've grown in up and around, you have to constantly fight not to live within this I-centered life. Not too long ago, we had an issue in team. I'm the creative pastor here at C3, so we deal with all sorts of different creative issues. And we had an issue which was talking about one of the fleshly sins exhibited here in the fruit of the Spirit. It's an issue that 
would probably come up more than you'd think. And it's something that we try and guard against. See, for us, we hold this platform here in high regard. We think that the teaching of the word, the leading of people in worship, the leading of people on a Sunday is important. Therefore, we have a desire to protect this platform. And we believe that certain behaviors, certain sins, are kind of prohibitive for being able to come on this platform. And it's not because we think that you need to be perfect or we're nitpicky or anything like that. No, it's because we believe that it's a, there's a privilege for being up on this platform and there's an authority given to people that stand here on a Sunday. And this is not to say that everyone on this platform is perfect. I'm not perfect. I wouldn't be here if that was the case. But no, it's, it's about holding a high standard and choosing to live in a lifestyle that reflects that. Well, this story was that we, we were talking and the issue came up and we mentioned it and we said, it's not okay. And the response was, well, God told me that it was okay. God told me that it was okay. And in some respects, that's okay. But in others, it's completely wrong. Because it comes out of desire that says, God loves me and he wants the best for me. That he wants me to excel in life. That he wants me to do well. But it also comes out of a false realisation of what God's love and God's best for me actually is. See, if there's no repentance or no willing to change, then that's when we would have an issue on the platform. And why am I saying this? Because I think that that's prevalent in our thinking all the time. It's okay. God told me it was okay. God told me that it was fine. God says go for it. God says it's okay. The best for us looks a lot more like the evidence and walking in step with the Spirit that brings the fruit of the Spirit than it does a feelings-based Christianity. I was reading in the infographic Bible this week about the apostles, how many of them were martyred, and not in a nice martyr way, if such a thing exists. They were martyred, they were put on crosses, upside-down crosses, cross crosses, <laughs> crucified with hooks, sawn in half. Now, they didn't get to a point and think, this is looking a little bit shady, I'm going to slink off into the distance now because God wants me to live an easy life. No, these guys suffered because they believed and they were willing to die for what they believe in. They really suffered. And I think that we can be guilty of thinking, God told me that it was okay. He wants me to go down the easy path and have an easy life. And we neglect our knowledge in favour of our feelings. But this is exactly what the fruit of the Spirit is about. It is rejecting our fleshly identity and it's choosing to live in step, in walk with the Spirit. I love what Paul Reed shared just a couple of weeks ago. His whole message was on hearing the voice of God, hearing the Holy Spirit. And the way that he interpreted that was through Scripture was through scripture, was through daily being in the scripture. And I would encourage you, if you want to hear more about this, then go on the podcast, 
listen to that message because it was a fantastic message. But it's out of this revelation that we begin to see our flesh, our cravings of the self-life in a new life. The grace of God does not eradicate sin. It highlights the freedom that we live in despite of our sin. So we're still sinners, we're still wrong, but the grace of God comes and it, it, it kind of covers us and allows us to have free entry into the kingdom of God. How do we begin to take command of our flesh and to live in step with the Spirit? Well, I'd suggest through this, point one, search your heart. In Psalm 139, it talks about God searching our hearts. It says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If we're to walk in close proximity with God, then we need to be willing to show God our lives. We need to be willing to allow God into our lives. And that's not do it once, it's done forever. That's continually choosing to allow God to work in our lives. I think it's really easy to allow these things, love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, kindness, gentleness, to fall away from our lives. To simply continue on with our lives without taking any thought for them. But if we allow God to search our hearts, to see if there's any offensive way in us. We shouldn't live kind of forgetting about those things. We should also be searching our hearts for these things. Surely if we're going to allow God to search our hearts, we should search our own hearts. And we should be thinking, are we living too much in the flesh? Are we living too much in the flesh? Is my sinful nature winning out too often over the spirit that lives within me? How am I doing with those things? I want us to take a moment in our service right now, and I want us to think about that. I want us to think about how we're doing when it comes to the flesh versus the spirit. And I would encourage you, if you've got a device or you've got a Bible with you, turn to Galatians 5 and look through the fruit of the spirit there. We're going to play a piece of music which is just the fruit of the spirit in song form. It's a beautiful piece of music. And as we do that, I'd love you to read through and ponder these two questions. One, is there any offensive way in me? What course correction change do I need to make? And two, how am I doing with the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Barry, the music is going to play for you as well. You're not excluded from this. You are so much a part of this. So let's take a minute and listen to this song.
God and that is his desire as well you see when we look at the fruit of the spirit we can't get away from the fact that it all flows out of love it says it in the beginning here the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions divine love in all its varied expressions. God wants you to draw close to him. God wants you to draw close to him. And that's my second thought, my second point. Draw near to God. James 4 verse 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The fruit of the Spirit is not about trying harder, It's not about trying really hard to exhibit God's goodness or to be gentle. It's about closer. It's about getting closer. It's about proximity to God. Who here remembers the chalkboard? Anyone here? Yeah. I know I don't look old enough to remember a chalkboard, but we had a few for old times' sake in the school classrooms. They're now popular. We have a chalkboard wall in my kitchen at home. It's now very much the popular thing to have. The one thing that was incredibly annoying and is still incredibly annoying about chalkboard walls, or chalkboards, is that if you get close to a chalkboard and you accidentally rub against it, even if there's no chalk drawings on them, you still end up with chalk all over your clothes and then you rub it off, it's all over your hands. It gets everywhere and it leaves a deposit on you. When we get up close and we bump up with the Holy Spirit, guess what? It's no different. It leaves a deposit on you. Only this one is not annoying. It's life-changing. 
I remember the first time that I experienced and received the Holy Spirit in my life. I must have been about 13 years old. It was at a youth camp and I was prayed for. I can remember being prayed for. We had a guest speaker who was very um, bold and passionate. I can remember him praying, let go, let go, let him in. And I was feeling his hand trying to push me down and I was refusing to go down. And I can still remember that feeling of going, no, I won't let you push me down. But I did let God in. Because that's what's important in that moment. I let the Holy Spirit into my life. Because the next thing that happened is I'm then running around like a madman, going outside. It's pouring with rain. There's thunder and there's lightning. And I'm running around going like this. Like something out of a strange movie. And all the youth must have thought that I was a little bit odd. They probably still do. But... That impact left me changed. I came up close with the Holy Spirit and that left me changed. You see, when we continually choose to align ourselves with the Spirit and come close to God, there is no way that we can't be changed. It's the drawing close to God that allows us to demonstrate the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not something that we strive for this fruit. It's something that we demonstrate as an overflow of a life lived in community and relationship with the King. And on that note, that leads me to my concluding point. I think in life, we can get distracted away from what true success looks like in your life. What are you measuring in your life? What does success look like in your life? Does it look like filling out a to-do list and completing it? Does it look like climbing the corporate ladder? Does it look like finishing all the jobs that you've got for the day? Is it getting a bigger paycheck? Is it how skinny you are? Is it, if you look the part, do you dress the part? Do you have the biggest, fastest car, the biggest house, the latest iPhone XR, ZTPQ plus Max XL? How many followers do you have on social media? Are you an influencer? How many holidays you go on? Have you achieved inbox zero? And many other measures. What if that's not success at all? What if success looks a lot more like growing in kindness, being a little more patient, demonstrating a bit more self-control, having a bit more joy in your life? Carrying on being faithful, developing gentleness, showing a bit more love, and demonstrating goodness in your life. Can I challenge you today? What are you measuring your success in life on? What does living as a human look like for you? Are you too driven by status, by achievement, and the latest thing? Are you too driven by status, achievement, and the latest thing? Why don't we choose today to lay that down, to repent of any wrongdoing in our lives and to choose to search our hearts, to draw closer to God and to choose to develop the fruit of the Spirit over the traps of worldly success in our lives. Let's choose to live victorious lives. Let's choose to operate fully in the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Can you imagine, paint a picture of the church if we fully died to our fleshly self, if we fully died to ourselves, what would the church look like? If we were dying to our own agendas, to what we thought was right, and we lived in close harmony, in relationship, on 
whole nother level than we have ever done before with the Spirit. What would the church of Christ look like? How often do we get in the way of the work that God wants to do in our lives? How often do we not allow Him to work because we say, no, I know better? Right now, I'm going to hand back over to your location, pastor, wherever you're watching. But right here in this room, I want to... Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you. Oh, 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 oh,